How many of you remember the 99, that production, uh, back in 2012-11? We tried to bring into the area. It was based out of Tulsa, and they do, it's like live um, actors, huge tent, you put it up like in a mall. The, the 99, yeah. What did I call it? The 99, okay. I thought maybe I misspoke something. Um, yeah, if you'd be listening, the 99. Okay, so we, we tried to bring that here, but you need about 700 volunteers to make the whole thing work. And we could not get enough churches in this area to come together. And I think churches see the need for working together more, in a more greater way than what we did in, the, in, in those years. Um, but there was something that, there's this territorialness that when I'm around pastors, I often pick up on them about them and their church. And I always, you know, promise the Lord that I'm never going to be that way. And one of the ways that I do that for myself is I remind myself that you, you belong to the Lord. You don't belong to CWI. You don't belong to me as an under-shepherd. But you are God's sheep. You're the sheep of His pastures. And I'm an under-shepherd that is responsible for you as long as you're in my field. Okay? Because this is the field the Lord gave me to tend and to watch over. And so... I don't ever want to have the position that, you know, I know that God is able to direct you to be where you ought to be, whether that's here or somewhere else. And if it's somewhere else, we want to help you get there because you're going to be more effective in the kingdom there than you are here. And if you're out of Jithia and you're here, likely problems would come from that, right? Now, sometimes pastors get the idea that everyone that walks in the door belongs at their church. And it's simply not true. It's good to have guests come in, but the Lord needs to minister to you where you're supposed to be plugged in at. And then that's where you go. And that's where you plug in at. And it may not always be the best place. It may not always be the place you entirely agree with. In fact, when it's difficult is when the Lord sends you somewhere that you don't agree with. But if the Lord's sending you there, there's a purpose and a reason, something that He wants to do while you're there. And so, saying all of that is what brings me to the topic of our sermon tonight, and it's on unity. Now, I know that um, Josh had recently taught on the subject of unity, but I'm going to probably come at it from a little bit of a different angle, and certainly not negating anything that he had taught on that, because what he taught was very good. But I want to talk about how to, how to disagree peaceably, how to be able to walk in unity even when you disagree. Because I'm under no illusion that there's people that sit here week in and week out that don't agree with me on some things. And I'm okay with that. And I want you to understand and to develop that in yourself that you don't have the mentality that people have to agree with, with you or with the person sitting beside you, right? And so open your Bibles, if you would, to Amos chapter 3. So let me ask a couple questions. <clears throat> Must we always agree theologically to be in unity? And the, the proper answer would be it depends, right? It depends what, what we're talking about, right? Um, but we, we, we know that there would be a time that, yeah, we can't walk in unity if we don't agree theologically. And then on some other things, we could walk in unity depending on what it is. So I'll, I'll ask um, some more general questions. 
can we be in unity if we do not agree on something? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely we can. And what I'm going to do tonight is we're going to look at many scriptures that say the same thing. Again, and again, and again, and again, and again. Right? I'm just going to hit the rock with the hammer of the Word of God until it breaks. Is that alright? So it's not going to be a three-point sermon. It's not going to be, you know, that. I'm just going to make the same point again and again and again from different scriptures. And one, one thing that I really want us to understand about unity is that unity is not conformity. Unity, you know, I grew up in a Mennonite church where to them unity was conformity. We had to look alike. We had to act alike. We had to do all things alike. I mean, you know, things from the color of clothes you wore to we weren't allowed to have brown buttons on our white Sunday shirt. You know, there was many, many things that we weren't permitted that were, um, that they saw value in it for whatever reason. But at the end of the day, if you didn't do those things, you weren't, excuse me, in unity with them was how they saw it. But the truth is, is you can walk in unity with an Amish person. Just have them. I mean, and that's a p- pretty big difference, right? I mean, instead of one person just having white buttons and the other one brown buttons. So what does it mean to be in unity? What does that look like? And just to be transparent with you so that you understand. So last week, the, the sermon that Dale preached on Israel and the church. And I understand that there's difference of opinion on, on w- w- what's truth and what isn't in the subject. I heard that there was someone that was uh, upset with the sermon. So I decided, well, I'm going to go listen to it. And, but I'm going to listen pretty critically, right? I'm going to look for a problem with this. Not how I would normally listen to a sermon from Apostle Dale. But like, I, I told him, I'm listening and, and I'm looking for something. And from what he said, now you have to be careful how you hear, right? Because you can hear through a set of lens that shades what you think he's saying. And so I listened to it, and I thought it was an amazing sermon. And it was really good. And I I would ask you to go back, listen to it again, take your Bible, follow along, but don't hear what he's not saying, right? Don't hear. And and I I, I talk about this and I'm transparent about this because what what I always endeavor to do is to never preach to a problem. You know, the Lord will have me preach the problem, but I don't know that it's a problem, right? I'm just covering a subject. I don't ever want to, you know, I know about an issue that someone's dealing with or struggling with, that kind of thing. I stand in the pulpit and preach to that issue because I, I just don't like that kind of thing. And I don't, most times it's, it's not the Lord when it's done on purpose, right? And so the Lord told me early on, I think this was on Monday morning, He's like, you need to teach on unity. And he gave me several scriptures to start with. And um, that, let me say it differently. It wasn't like I heard it real clear as a voice on the inside. It was a strong prompting that came up. And I was like, nah, I'm not going to do that. I don't want people to think that I'm, I'm preaching at them. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go on with, uh, I'm going to do that series on fear that we started. That really ministered to people, right? And... Um, and the Lord just keeps bringing it back to me and bringing it back to me 
that I need to do this. And, and finally, he kind of chided me and he was like, you know, whose sheep are they? If I want them to eat this, then who are you to say you're not going to feed them that? Like, I repent, Lord. Yes, smack, smack. And so I said, okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to preach the message because, Lord, that's what you want, right? So if you're here and you didn't like last week's sermon, don't think that I'm trying to single you out or anything like that. I'm simply going to uh, deliver what the Lord put on my heart and um, we're going to grow together, all right? Do we have to, so using last week's sermon, if we disagree on something like that, can we walk together? in spite of disagreeing with it. And what I'm going to draw attention to and use as a... Let, did you find Amos 3 yet? I'll use as a personal illustration from my life. I'll use two of them, in fact, of me disagreeing with someone. In Amos 3, in verse 3, it says, Can two walk together without agreeing to meet? Now, that's how this translation reads. Um, but a more literal... well. The, the, even the literal ones are kind of all over the place with the, the arrangement of the words, but except they are agreed is, is a common reading. Can two walk together unless they meet or unless they've agreed to walk together? And so you don't have two people that can walk. Um, we're going to go out on a walk and walk together if you're not in agreement on the direction you're going to go, right? If you want to go north and I want to go south, we're probably not going to walk together. Or other directions, right? We have to agree that we're going what our direction is and what our destination is. If that's path, those two, my path and the other person's path, if they're going to stay side by side because we're going to the same place. So keeping these Scriptures in mind, here's, I, I want to lay some things out to help you decide if you need to break fellowship with somebody or if you shouldn't. Obviously, all of this, I don't have enough time to do an exhaustive teaching on the subject and cover every angle of it. Much like last week's sermon, you know, with the limited time, you can get a start, but you know, there could be many more teachings to bring all sides of the coin into view. Well, tonight, I don't have the time to cover all of these possibilities, but what, what I do want to do is give you a taste of how do I handle these things. So in my personal illustration that I'll, I'll start with two of them is one is with me and Apostle Dale. Now, he is an authority over me. He holds apostolic authority in this house. Sure, I'm the senior pastor. Dale really doesn't require anything of me. You know, he, he has a lot of confidence in me. He doesn't ask me to do things. He never even asks to preach in the pulpit. When he's in the pulpit, he's there because I ask him to be. So he, he has been wonderful to work with in that regard. Um, but, but he is an authority over me, and I recognize that, and I admit it freely, right? And he and I have a difference of opinion on a matter, and I'll talk about it in just a minute. Um, but first, let me talk about the other side. The other story is me and Pastor Jay. Now, in, that, in me and Jay's relationship, now I'm Dale and Jay is me, right? Because Jay is under me in rank. And so he, Jay and I have the same relationship that Dale and I have. And so I have now someone above me that I'm disagreeing with, and I have someone below in rank, not value, that I'm disagreeing with. How do I handle both sides of this? Do, do, I, do I just, yes sir, yes sir, three bags full on one side? Or do I give pushback? Or do I, do we, well, how do I handle it, right? So for, for Dale and I, our disagreement is on, oh, that's one of those like 
thousand-legged bugs. <laughs> That's not what our disagreement is on. If you're listening by internet, it's a centipede or whatever they're called. So, so Dale and I, um, it's about the Holy Spirit. And Dale would teach you, if he, if he was teaching this side of the room, and I was in a separate room teaching this side of the room, I'm going to tell you kind of how we would teach differently about the Holy Spirit. He would tell you that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, that He has a, His own personality and His own will. Okay? I strongly disagree with that. I think that the Holy Spirit is God's Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit. But there's God, there's Jesus, and then there's the Spirit of God, which is also the Spirit of Christ. And I would teach that the Holy by Spirit does not have its own personality or its own will. And I would just make the illustration by using my own spirit. Plus, I can't find any scripture to back up that he has his own will and his own personality. But this is the, what people have been taught for many years, right? From years ago. So you shouldn't throw something out like that just easily. You know, it needs to be really backed up by scripture. And you need to understand that if you're going to go different from a long tradition of belief, you, you, you need to check and then recheck. And maybe again a fourth and fifth time, right? So, that's how we would teach it. I would teach you that way, and Dale would teach you this way. And Dale would teach you about the infilling of the Holy Spirit. I would teach you about the infilling of the Holy Spirit. He would teach you about the gifts of the Spirit and how they flow through the believer. I would teach you about gifts of the Spirit and how they flow through the believer. He would teach you about the role of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you to convict and to lead and to draw. And I would teach you about the role of the Holy Spirit inside of you to convict and to lead and to draw. And at the end of our teaching session, no matter how much time that we had, days, weeks, hours, you would go out and do the exact same thing and behave the exact same way as these people would. Even though we have a difference on does the Holy Spirit have His own personality and will or does He not. So as we're working through this, as we're having vigorous debates about it, I mean, it was always in fun. No one ever got heated. Zachary was there, and Zach and Dale and I, we went round and round, and it was Zach and Dale against me. And uh, I held my ground pretty good, I thought. So that's, that's a pretty formidable duo when it comes to the discussions like this. But we had a good time. But all of that to be said, as I look at that and go, okay, or as Dale would look at it and say, okay, is this grounds to to get rid of me, or for me, is this grounds for me to walk? Because I can't walk with someone that, that teaches error, because I just think that's an error, right? So here's what I have to look at. What's the end result of the way he teaches it and the way I teach it? What's the end result? They're exactly the same. They both go out and walk in the fullness of the power of God. They both go out and the whole gifts of the Holy Spirit flow through them. They do all the exact same things. Nothing changed. They went to heaven in the end with reward waiting for them. The only thing is just something in, you know, that doesn't even matter. Really, it doesn't matter. But what does matter is the result, right? So I look at that and I say, okay, there's no reason to separate over something like that. Because we're teaching the same thing. Even though we approach it a little differently. So, the, the illustration with Pastor Jay. As many of you know, we have on our website the video of he and I debating when the, rap, the timing of the rapture. Not if there's a rapture, because the Bible's pretty clear on that. But the timing of the rapture. And it's a subject that people have disagreed on since a long time. Okay? 
And they're going to continue to disagree on it. I mean, there's four main camps on end times. And, and, you know, one camp thinks everything has already been fulfilled and is already over and we're living in the ever after, I guess. There's another, I don't fully understand how, anyhow, but it, it's something like that, okay? There's, there's another camp that thinks everything is just, you know, uh, symbolic. There's another camp that takes things pretty literal. And so when we look at, when you look at all the different camps, can you walk with someone that disagrees with you? Like within, I would call myself a, uh, a premillennial, um, mostly, right? Um, and within the premillennial camp is where you have the debate about whether the rapture is before the tribulation or in the middle or, or after, right? So that, that's all, with, so it's within a camp, right? It's already, it, everything else they pretty much agree on. But here's what I have to ask myself and, and Pastor Jay. He's certain that the rapture is going to happen at the beginning of the tribulation. And I just read my Bible and I see that what Jesus said, that it's at the end of the tribulation. So we have this disagreement. So we did this debate, he and I, and you can go on and watch it. It's like two hours long, but it's a good demonstration of how to disagree with someone and stay in peace and stay in love and still walk together. And here's the thing that, I, that I'm, I'm drawing, drawing this all together on, is the end result, even though he would teach that the rapture is going to have all the same, seven years of hard times, and I would teach that it's going to happen at the end of it, the end result's all the same. The only difference that we both agreed could, that we could identify was that people like myself that believe it's at the end of the seven years would go into those seven years better prepared than the people that think they're going to get sucked out of here at the beginning of the seven years. But even if that's the case, how many of you have ever faced something you weren't prepared for, but the Spirit of the Lord met you in that moment, met every need? It's, it's our ability to survive, whether it's before, in the middle, or after, is not dependent upon our preparation. Right? And so we're going to just stay hooked up with the Spirit of God. And we can agree to disagree. And we, you know, we still we talk about it sometimes. Some of you know uh, Heather. She's not here tonight. We debate this back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Which is which? And, and it's important to be able to disagree with someone, but set with them. And, and give them room to see it differently. Because at the end of the day, when Jay disciples people and when I disciple people, we're going to teach them to do the same things. To go out, to make disciples, and to, to share Jesus. And we're going to go to the same place. And it's really inconsequential, even of last week's sermon, it's inconsequential what God's plans are for the Hebrew people at the end. That's up to Him. It's not for us to decide whether we are completely wrong or completely right in whatever our theology is on it. Right? And so... Look at the big picture when you disagree with someone and say, okay, is the end result different, significantly different than this other way? And if it's not, well, then you can walk together. You know, Amos 3.3 says, can two walk together unless they have agreed? The trouble is a lot of people think, okay, we have to agree which foot we're going to put forward first. And we're walking together, right? We're walking together, but we have to agree what color of pants we're going to wear while we're walking together. And we can't walk together if we don't have, you know, see the same thing in the, in the distance out there across that field. What is that, a tree? No, I think it's a bush. Ah, that's a cow. See, it moved. You know, we can't walk together unless we're agreed, and that's just silly. 
That's not what the agreement is talking about. It's talking about, think big picture, destination and purpose. Destination and purpose. We might be going together and, and you know, she might be skipping and singing, row, row your boat, and I might be dragging my feet, but as long as we're staying together, it doesn't matter our method. Because we have the same destination, the same purpose, and the same goal. All right. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 6, verse 11. Because there are scriptures that tell us that we're supposed to be of the same mind, that we're supposed to have the same opinions. And so we have to define what does that mean? What's that talking about? Again, I would not... I wouldn't, well, he's going to talk about it here. I'll talk about it when we read it. Um, 2 Corinthians 6, and let's look at verse, begin in verse 11. Paul is speaking. He says, We have spoken openly to you, Corinthians. Our hearts have been opened wide. It's 2 Corinthians. Did I say 1 Corinthians? Okay, 2 Corinthians 6, 11. Verse 12, We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. Really, uh, a more literal translation would be, we are not limiting or restraining or hemming you in, but you are hemming yourself in. Verse 13, I speak as to my children. As a proper response, open your hearts to us. And now he begins to lay down, you know, it gets real. He says, don't be yoked together with those who do not believe. Now, yoked is a military term. But if you think of oxen, you know, in the Old Testament there was laws that said you weren't allowed to yoke an ox and a donkey together to plow your field. Because they would be unequally yoked. And here he says, don't be unequally yoked with those who do not believe. For what partnership is there between righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship does light have with darkness? What agreement does Christ have with Belial? Or what does a believer... Now, in case you didn't know um, Belial or Belial, however you say that name, it, it means the devil. So what agreement does Christ have with the devil? Or what does a believer have in common for an unbeliever? And what agreement does the temple of God have with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch any unclean thing and I will welcome you. I will be a father to you so you will be my sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. So, let's go back to the beginning. Don't be unequally yoked. So, we can, we can run this out to the outer edges and it becomes... You know, we can make it real simple. So don't, don't marry someone who's not a believer. That would, that would be being unequally yoked. Don't, um, you're, you're, you, well, however you yoke yourself to someone else, you know, as he says, there's not, I would strongly, if you came to me and said, you know, there, I have this unbeliever neighbor and we want to do business together and form a partnership, I would strongly discourage you from doing that. I mean, you wouldn't have to listen to me, you know, do what you're going to do, but I would say that's being unequally yoked and you're setting yourself up for a harvest that you don't want to reap. And here, when he brings, he's making it real simple, light and dark. What association does light and darkness have? Right? There is none. It doesn't mingle. It doesn't mix. So back to the illustrations that I gave. Can two walk together if they don't agree with each other? Well, are they going to go to the same destination? 
Well, light and darkness is not, right? Christ and the devil, they're different directions, one opposite. We can't walk together. That's an impossibility because we are going two different directions entirely. So that's the most basic and the most simple or the most obvious form. You can go over to Romans 15. I'll read to you from 1 John 1. Actually, go with me to 1 John. 1 John 1. We're talking about can we walk in unity even when we disagree? And we've, we've, I think everyone agrees that we can. Now, the question is, is, is where is the dividing lines, right? So, we're, we've looked at that. Light and darkness is a real obvious one. Destination is real obvious. Here in 1 John 1, verse 7, he says, If we walk in the light, as He Himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, now remember, who's He talking to? He says we. So He isn't talking about having fellowship with Jesus. Because all the way back up in verse 3, He says that we're going to tell you what we have heard and seen in Jesus so that you can have fellowship with us. So now he mentions, if you walk in the light, well, the previous verse says, you know, you can't say that you're walking with him if you're walking in darkness. So now he says, if you walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. So think of it this way, because I think this illustration really makes the point clear. If we shut all the lights out in this room, and it was pitch black, but I had a lantern. I have the light. I am the light. I'm glowing like a lightning bug. Okay, I'm the light. All right. If you wanted to walk in the light, you'd have to come over and be near me, going where I'm going, doing what I'm doing. Else, you get left behind, and pretty soon you'd be out in the dark, bumping into the, banging your shins up on the pews. But if you want to be in the light, you'd have to come and stand with me in the light. So it's unspoken already that you and I are having fellowship because you're with me. You're in the light. But you can't, if Karen's over here in the light and she's having fellowship with me, she can't have fellowship with Troy because he's way out there in the dark. He would have to come over here in the illustration, right, to be in the light so that now they can have fellowship with one another and of course he's going to have fellowship with the light because he's in the light. If you get away from the light, you cannot have fellowship with each other. So our fellowship with each other is not only dependent, but centered in Christ. In keeping the main thing, the main thing. Right? I I saw that on a Marine's lamp once. The main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing. Makes a lot of sense when you really break it down to think about it. The main thing is to keep Him front and center. Everything is this way. And when we do that, our fellowship, if, if Jen's focused on that and I'm focused on that, well, yeah, we can have fellowship. We're going to the same place. So again, think big picture. Should you break a relationship because you don't agree? Well, if you're going to the same place, you don't need to if you'll just get over yourself. Matthew 15. Oh, it's going to get better. Just watch. Did I say Matthew? Matthew 15 is a really good book and, and chapter, but let's go to Romans 15. Say, well, what's in Matthew 15? You'll have to go home and find out tonight. Romans 15, and let's begin reading in verse 5. Now, 
just to give a little bit of context, because context matters, he was talking about judging each other, eating meat, causing each other to stumble, putting up with each other, giving each other liberty to not be of the same mind on everything, mind your own business, all this kind of stuff, all the way down through here. Well, finally, in chapter 15 and verse 5, he, he, he's summing this up. 5 through 7 is the spirit of what he's teaching from 14.1, from chapter 14, verse 1, all the way to this point. And 5 through 7 say this, Now, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in harmony the same it does, with one another. The same it does. Live in harmony with one another. According to Christ Jesus. See, there it is again. According to the light. You can live in harmony when you're in the light. According to Christ Jesus. So that you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ with one mind and one voice. Now we know that this is not saying that everyone has to say the exact same words at the exact same time in the exact same tone. So we quickly see that one voice, no, it, it doesn't mean that. Just like it doesn't mean of the one mind that everyone has to be of the same opinion about all things. Because we'd run into a problem real quick. Because see, I think that Jen's the best wife there is, but Steve thinks Jill is the best wife there is. And so right away out of the gate, that's not one mind on this issue. Right? And so clearly that's not what he's talking about when he says be of one voice and be of one mind. So what does he mean? What is he talking about? Well, he laid it right out here to glorify God the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, with one mind and one voice. Therefore, now listen, therefore, welcome one another or receive one another just as Christ also received you to the glory of God. Notice it doesn't say therefore conform to each other in every opinion. Therefore, conform to my opinion, that Jen's the best wife. No, it doesn't mean that. So it's talking about something else, right? It's talking about receiving each other in spite of our disagreements. In spite of our intensely disagreeing. I mean, just look at marriages that have survived. They didn't get there without having some disagreements. And they're still walking together. They're still going together. You have to be intentional sometimes. Sometimes you don't feel like going that way. They're going that way, and I want to go this way. And so you have to come back, reorient, recenter, come to the light. Now you're suddenly at the same place again. Right? Okay. Am I making this simple enough? I want it to be simple enough that um, our youngest ones in here can understand. Let's go over to 1 Corinthians 1. We'll see more of the same thing. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 10. So Paul, writing to this Corinthian group, he says, Now I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree in what you say, that there be no divisions among you, and that you be united with the same understanding and the same conviction. And that word conviction is opinion. I want you all to say the same thing, think the same thing, have the same opinion. <laughs> that was funny, Gene. Um, so if we stopped reading right there, we'd get into trouble real fast, wouldn't we? So I think I've taught you how to do this, but if I haven't, maybe the Lord has too. 
on your own time how to understand what a certain Scripture means. Read the verse that comes after it. Read the one that comes before it. Right? Start expanding it. Get context of what is he talking about. Don't take one single verse and just make it apply to everything if you can't, I mean, if you don't have the backing in Scripture for that. Start looking at it from other Scriptures that you know that talk about the subject. You know, think of it has to line up with those. So, what am I not understanding if it doesn't appear to line up? Right? We have to, well, for example, Again and again and again in Scripture, we are taught to walk in love, to be gentle, to be long-suffering. We're going to read a bunch of them tonight yet about, about putting up with each other. Okay, We're told to do that, yet we would see Jesus call some people names and just straight give them some fire. So, did He not walk in gentleness? And did He not walk in love? And did He not practice what He preaches? Or, is there something here that maybe we're not understanding? See, you never find a contradiction in the Word. You just find something that you don't understand. So go back, and if you're supposed to be lying, I'm looking at this only from one side of it. If I only look through the eyes of, of, of you're supposed to be long-suffering and patient and kind, and I look at what Jesus did over here, well, that doesn't line up with this, so maybe I'm not seeing it correctly. So come to the middle and realize there's a time and place, as Ecclesiastes says, for everything. Obviously, there's limitations to that as well. But just, just teaching you how to, when you find Scripture that you're not understanding or clear on, to expand on it and, and to allow the Lord to minister to you on this. Alright, so let's keep reading here. Um, on the right page. Alright, I'm going to start over again. Now, in verse 10, Now I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree in what you say, that there be no divisions among you, and that you be united with the same understanding and the same opinions. So we have to keep reading to know what is he talking about, because clearly not everyone thinks the same thing in this bunch. So what is he telling them? Well, verse 11, he begins to explain it. For it has been reported to me about you, my brothers and sisters, by the members of Chloe's people, that there is rivalry among you. What I am saying is this. One of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, or well, I belong to Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in Paul's name? And he's, he's chiding them over this. So what is he telling them to be a worship of Jesus? One, one word, one mind, one thought, one opinion. And that is the lordship of Jesus. That all of us, it's only through Christ. It's not a man. It's not a person. That's what he's telling them to be of, of the same mind of. So if you can be of the same mind with someone about the lordship of Jesus, you can walk with them. Let me say it this way. He wanted them to be united and of the same mind and understanding on identification. On their identity. It's Christ. I wasn't baptized through Paul. I wasn't, it was Christ. Their identity. Be single-minded on your identity. And the thing is, is, you notice pride is the great divider. Well, I was... I'm of the lineage of Men of Simons. Well, I'm of the lineage of John Wesley. And, you know, there's pride says I'm the only one who's right. They certainly, there's not a possibility that I could be wrong. They have to be the wrong ones. And certainly everyone, if you think you're right, you're going to think you're, I mean, right. 
right? <laughs> right? You're not going to argue for the privilege to be wrong. If you really thought you were wrong, I hope you have enough sense to stop arguing. <laughs> Some people don't. But if, if you, you believe you're right, so you're going to make your statements, you're going to take your stand, but do so with a hunger of truth. Always saying, I love truth more than I love any way we've ever done something. Or my way or the, my opinions or whatever. That truth be the thing that allows you to make you change your mind. All right, where were we going? Acts. Acts chapter 1. I know this isn't a shout and swing from the chandeliers sermon. However, this sermon will help you be positioned and ready to shout and swing from the chandeliers. Because you'll still be with your family to do it. And if in Acts chapter 1 and verse 14, what did it look like when they were of one accord? They, it says 14, this, this was right after Jesus ascended into heaven on the cloud. Said he's going to come back the same way the angels said that. And so now they have about 120 people gathered together, including Jesus' mother. Jesus had told them, go and wait for, to receive power and to be my witness when the Holy Spirit come on you. All of that. So it says, they were all continually united in prayer, along with the women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. So they were continually united in prayer. That doesn't mean that they all wore the same clothes. Or they all had the same thing to eat or drink. They may have, because maybe they were having carry-ins. But they still had different amounts. And someone didn't eat their vegetables, I'm sure. So it, uh, it's, it's not talking about united in inconsequential things. It's talking about their purpose. What is their purpose? They're waiting on the Lord. They're of a single purpose, waiting on the Lord. The Lord said He's going to show up. We don't know how He's going to show up. Is He going to knock on the door? Is He going to show up in a chariot of fire? We don't know how He's going to show up, but He said wait, so let's wait. So they can wait together, united in prayer. Look at, at chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all with one mind in one place. Some translations say they were of one accord. And that makes it sound like it was a really big Honda car. But the truth is, is it wasn't a car. <laughs> Some of you need a smile. It says they were all with one mind in one place. Does that mean they had all the same opinions? No. They probably had different opinions on many things. But they could still be of one mind. How is that possible? Because of their destiny. Because of the purpose. Because of their destination. What, what they're doing. Where they're going. If, we, if you believe in the Great Commission and I believe in the Great Commission, well then, we'll probably go about it two different ways, but we're still headed at the same, doing the same task. Right? Alright, go to Philippians. Flip over to Philippians chapter 1. If you're a guest with us tonight, my, my jokes are not always that lame. Sometimes they're worse. I figured I'd have a hearty amen, but... Okay, Philippians 1. They're too polite tonight. By the way, I heard Dale tell you something I said to him. Um, I told him he wanted to know how it went in Harrisburg. Now, a lot of the people are people of color there, and they have a lot of Hispanics and black people, and there's culture in the house, and they're responsive, right? You say something, there's amens, and, the, and the, they're, they're responsive. So Dale wanted to know, how did it go down there? I said, well, it went really good. I'm going to take our whole church down there so we can learn how to be responsive like they were. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
Our differences are what make us unique, make us special in the eyes of each other, in the eyes of God. Unity. If you look part ways, you're different and what separates you and that takes your focus, it won't be long and you'll part ways. Right? I mean, there's people that part ways because of the color of their skin. You know, how wild is that? You know, a race, racism is still a horrible thing. It's still alive. It's still out there. However, certainly in, in recent years, and depending where you're from, there's probably more attention now to it than there was earlier, and people are more aware of skin color than they were earlier. But for you and I, you know, can a white man and a black man walk in unity? Yeah, because they serve the same Lord. And you cut them both open, they both have the same color blood. They're of one race, the human race, right? And so, just like in race, don't look at what's different about each other as a point of contention, but more as something to celebrate. You know, if Gene has light on an issue that I don't have, and I have light on an issue that he doesn't have, this is where iron sharpening iron comes into play. And when we have disagreement, and we talk about it, and we have discussion about it, you know, odds are we're both going to come away sharper. Maybe our positions will have changed a little bit even depending on, on how, you know, what we were talking about. You know, if we're talking about St. Louis Cardinals and the Chicago Cubs, there's not going to be a change on my part. I'm just telling you. Unfortunately, this year, you know, you don't want to say you're a fan of theirs too loud. But did I just hear someone gag? <laughs> Go Dodgers, he says. So what am I saying? Walk in unity. Some of the differences you can celebrate, others you're just going to overlook. Right? The annoying ones. Just overlook them. Why would I say that? Well, let's see. Let's go to Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27. Just one thing, as citizens of heaven, or the only thing is what some translations say, live your life. So this one thing, make sure you do this one thing. Live your life worthy of the good news of Christ. Then whenever I come and see you or am absent, I will hear about you, that you are standing firm in one spirit, in one accord, contending together for the faith of the gospel. Not being frightened in any way by your opponents. This is a sign of destruction for them, but of your salvation, and this is from God. The lack of fear in your life is supposed to be a testimony. You know that. For it has been granted to you on Christ's behalf not only to believe in Him but also to suffer for Him since you are engaged in the same struggle that I saw I had and now hear that I have. If then, so he said this one thing, live worthy of the gospel, be of one spirit, one accord, contending together, working together for the gospel. Now in, in chapter 2 he continues, he says, if then there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, remember, fellowship with Him as He is in the light, and you'll be in the light and you'll have fellowship one with another. If any affection and mercy make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in Spirit, intent on one purpose, or focusing on one goal, as that translation reads. You can go to St. Louis. That is what unites you. You can go to a St. Louis Cardinals fan, a game, and you can sit beside complete strangers that you never met, 
and that you're as different as night and day, they might even be straight up heathens and you're a saint. But you have a common goal. You both like this team and you want them to win. And you're going to cheer at the same things. You're going to groan at the same things. You're in unity on your goal, on your purpose. Well, if, if two unbelievers can do that on something silly like a game, surely two believers can do it on what really matters. Alright, verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. Now, the L... I, the literal translation, L-I-T-V, reads this way. Do nothing out of party spirit. Not meaning like, yay, we're going to have a party. Not that party. Like, think our side versus your side. Party spirit. Division. It says, or conceit, pride, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not to his own interests, but rather to the interests of others. Treating everyone as though they're more valuable than yourself. I learned long ago that you can't argue someone into revelation. If they're open, you can bring them to revelation. But if they're not open and it's just an argument, you can't argue someone into seeing light. That doesn't mean that you don't have the duty to put light in front of them. Because who are we to say that seed will never take and find ground and bring forth a harvest? So we still have a responsibility to, to plant seeds and to do all of that and to speak the truth in love. Colossians 3. Colossians 3 and verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved... And by the way, in that group of God's chosen ones, in the previous verses where he says there's no Greek or Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. So in Christ we are one. One body. We're different parts and pieces of the body, right? But we form the body. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, parts of His body, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion... Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bearing or forbearing with one another. But this word bearing or forbearing, that's how it's usually translated, it, it doesn't mean um, how we think of it so often. If you look at the literal meaning of it, it means put up. Put up with. So let's read it that way. Put up with one another and forgive one another. If you see everything eye to eye with each other, there's no putting up with. I mean, in a marriage, you'll find out real quick that there's some things you just have to put up with. Maybe you don't like how they sound when they chew their food. Right? Or That's not the deal here, okay? Don't, don't think I'm speaking of personal experience because Jan and I will both run you out of the house if you're a noisy eater. We'll be together in unity on this, right? But the, but the point is, is there are things you discover that, oh, I just need to put up with that. It doesn't mean, putting up with means there's something you don't like and would rather not have it that way. But I'm going to put up with it. Forbearing with one another. <laughs> I forget who it was. Someone I told them, I gave them a piece of gum and I told them if they, was that you Josh? 
that if they chew noisily, I'm going to throw, make them get out of the plane. We were flying. <laughs> well, see, those, those headsets he was wearing had the mic down here, and it's going to pick up every noise you make. <laughs> Give me that gum. That's right. I wouldn't have made him ride on the wing. He could have sat on the wheel out there. And, you know, he was obedient. He didn't make one sound over there. I noticed he kept a hand on the door, keeping it shut. But All right, put up with one another, forgiving one another. Forgive means that there's a rub. Doesn't feel nice. There's been some bristles. You've got to forgive. Make room for each other to blow it. Even in their theology. Listen, I have a cousin that believes the earth is flat. He believes God told him the earth is flat. Okay, now, he has a brother-in-law who was a good friend of mine. He also believes the earth is flat. My cousin and I, we get along splendidly because we both serve the same king. We know to keep the main thing the main thing. And in spite of his messed up ideas on the right, I don't care what shape the earth is in. It can be a long, skinny noodle. I don't care. The fact of the matter is, is... As long as you and I can walk together in serving Jesus and doing the work of the Great Commission, I don't care what shape you think the earth is in. I might think you need light on the subject. I might even debate it with you. It'll be in kindness and in love. Well, my good friend, he, he didn't have that ability. It was either you agree with him or you're full of pride and our relationship is done. And unfortunately, that's what happened. Is it got... It got Really ugly from him. But this other guy, oh, he stayed kind, loving. We, we had a great time. We rib each other. I bought a pair of socks with a guy on the moon. That's a picture of a guy on the moon. Socks just to wear around him. <laughs> this is the friend I get along with, right? That's what I mean. Is You can sell up some differences and rib each other. You know, anyhow. I thought about ordering them for him. Actually, the truth is, I did. <laughs> Full disclosure, I ordered these socks off of Amazon to give to him, and when they arrived, I liked them so well, I kept them and wore them. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> what was that? All right. Um, Let's start again at verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Put up with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. You know, I love you enough that you don't, I, you don't have to agree with me to get along with me. Put on, that's the bond of love. The perfect bond of love. Keeps us in unity. Keeps us yoked up together, going the same direction, even though you might think something differently than I think about when the rapture is going to happen. It's going to happen. Either way. Ready or not. Holler I. Alright, verse 15. And let the peace of Christ, to which you were called, in one body, rule your hearts and be thankful. So we're going to let the peace of over in Ephesians chapter. Worship team, you can come. 
I know this sermon may have been a little bit more methodical and boring than normal, or maybe you say it's not. Oh dear. But here's the thing. This is what the Lord wanted me to bring to you guys. So take it, chew it, eat it. Allow the Lord to work it in you. In our culture, in our day and age, especially in the church world, it's so easy to separate and go somewhere else. We can live in the same house. We don't even have to leave communities. That was one of the nice things about being raised Mennonite in Missouri. There were no other Mennonite churches anywhere near us. They were hours away. And so if you were going to separate, your only option was pack up and leave town. Which that's a huge process. Just because it's that difficult, people were forced to get along. <laughs> right? So if, if, we can be, if we can get along because of a reason like that, surely we can get along because the love of God has been shed abroad in our heart. Right? And make room for each other. Even if you think, if you think they're really wrong theologically, ask the Lord to just reveal to them truth. Don't say reveal it what I believe. Because you might be the wrong one. But maybe, just maybe, you are the one with the light seeing accurately. And me or whoever else, the other person is the one that's not seeing accurately. Ask the Lord to give them more light on the subject. Alright. Ephesians chapter 4. Let's start in verse 1. Therefore I, the prisoner in the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have put up with, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, put up with one another in love. I like that he added that one on the end. Because, you know, you can put up with each other, but not in love. Fine. I'm going to sit over here far away from you. Right? That's not in love. You can put up with each other and still treat each other in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. Keeping the main, thing, the main thing. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. Now grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. In fact, for the sake of time, let's just go down to verse 11 where it mentions the gifts. And He Himself gave some, speaking of Jesus, gave to the people some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. We would call that the fivefold ministry. Now in verse 12, it tells us what the job of the fivefold ministry is in the local church assembly. It says, to equip the saints for or to do the work of ministry. So the fivefold's job is to equip you to do ministry work. To build up the body of Christ until what happens? Until we all reach unity in faith. In the knowledge of God's Son growing into a mature man, that's singular, with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Notice the example and the measurement that we're measuring we will is Christ's fullness. Then we will no longer be babies tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. But speak the truth in love. Let us grow in every way into Him who is the head, Christ. My hand and my foot 
have never yet gotten into an argument or a fence with one another because they recognize they're taking orders from one place. That's the head. And they recognize that our sole mission and job is to do what the head's telling us. And it's the same way in the body of Christ. If we'll stay focused on doing what the Lord's telling us to do, to be where He's telling us to be, to, to walk with Him, keeping Him the main thing in our life, our differences aren't going to matter. Amen? Amen? All right, stand with me if you would. We're going to pray. I'm going to lead you in, in a prayer. You can just repeat after me. Prayer, declaration, however you want to call it. And what I'm going to do is I'll lead us in a prayer of repentance. Repenting for any time in our past that we have uh, broken relationships and fellowship with people where we should not have. Because there are times that you should. We didn't talk about that tonight. There are times that you should. But there's to help us and should not, right? And, and we're going to then ask the Lord to help us and grace us to, to stay and walk in patience and kindness and, and so forth. Can we do that? Alright. Father, I present myself before You. And I acknowledge that I haven't done everything right. Father, I repent. I am sorry for any relationship that I have broken when I should not have. Father, if there be relationships in my past that I've broken and should not have, I ask You to reveal it to me so that I can walk in restoration. Father, I ask Your forgiveness and I thank You for the blood of Jesus that cleanses me from all sin. For times I've missed it, for when I walked in pride, for when I was stubborn and bullheaded. Lord, I ask that You help me with Your grace to walk in love. Father, I commit to walking with You in love. I'm going to stay in the light. And I'm going to fellowship with those you want me to fellowship with. I yield myself to you. Your purposes be my purposes. I am yours. I am not my own. In Jesus' name. And amen. Alright, if I could have uh, maybe two ushers move the table over here into the middle and prepare that. You know, there is no greater demonstration of unity than what we're getting ready to do right here with covenant. That covenant is what binds us together. That covenant is what makes us say, you know, we can do life together. that are, are ready in the back. Let's start in the back. Come up the center aisle. Go out the sides. Take the elements. Hold them in your hand and then we'll take them together at the end.
This bread, it signifies the broken body of Jesus. So let's just say this. Say, I have covenant with my Father God. A covenant of life and health. A covenant of healing. Let's take the bread. And if you need healing in your body right now, receive it in Jesus' name. that every person in this house that any ailment in their body be removed right now in the name of Jesus and life and health come upon you from the inside out every cell be renewed and regenerated in full health in Jesus name I thank you Lord for that provision of our natural body I thank you for healing in our soul realm and places where we've hurt and had pain. I call right now, Father, for healing in these areas in our lives. In Jesus' name. Let's take the cup. Jesus said it's the new covenant. It's the new covenant. Someone say, I have a new covenant. For the better covenant. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You are awesome. You know, better means that it'll do what the old one did plus. The old covenant, but then there's a new covenant that goes beyond the old covenant. I don't know if some of you noticed that nice looking Ford Flex sitting in the parking lot when we pulled in, but John got himself a new vehicle. And you know what? It's better than the old one. It'll do everything the old cool would do, plus, right? Now he's got heated seats and cooled seats and all this fun stuff, right? Yeah, <laughs> a lot of stuff. The new and better flex, or the new and better vehicle. It'll do everything the old one would, but more. And that's what this new covenant, the old covenant was one of health and life and protection. This new covenant includes all of that plus eternal life fellowship with the Lord we come in boldly as, as we give him our praise tonight his ear receives it so let's praise him amen can I say one little thing quick I'd like to personally invite you to next Friday I know it's in the bulletin but I'd like to personally invite you to come and praise and worship with us and spend that time of intimacy with God if you've been reading in the awe of God the book you know, in the small groups, it talks about the importance of intimacy with God and uh, reverence and awe, and we want to establish that here. So please consider it. Come out. Let's join together and spend some time. Yeah, I'm, I'm reminded back when I led worship at another church years ago, I was having practice with the team, and all of a sudden my daughter shows up. She didn't normally come to pray. She just shows up. I said, what are you doing here? And she said, oh, I just wanted to be with you, Dad. Consider that Friday like that. Let's, let's show up and say, we just wanted to be with you, Dad. We 
wanted to be with you, Father God. Amen? So, personally invite you. Let's, not for me, for him. I love the promise, seek and you will find. Right? It's, it's, it's guaranteed. If you search and you draw near, he'll draw near to you. So this week, as you go through your week, draw near to the Lord. Nearer than before. Take Him with you in your place of work. Cause the light in you to be brighter than the darkness that's out there. Amen. Alright. Look at your neighbor. Tell him, I love you. I believe in you. everyone. Welcome to Church of the Word International this evening. Thanks for coming. It's great to see your smiling faces. Just love to get together with this beautiful family. I'd love to encourage you tonight in the, in the Word of God. One of my favorite Psalms is 34, and David wrote it. It's one of those top-notch ones. says so much. Think about when I'm reading it. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but when I, what I do read, think about the promises of God and what he's promised us through this one psalm. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear and be glad. I love that. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me of all my fears. That's a great promise. They looked to him and were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. The poor man cried out and the Lord heard him and saved him, saved him out of all his troubles. Another really great promise. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who, what? Fear him, reverence him, honor him, and he delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is a man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, all you saints. There is no want to those who fear him. Young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack one good thing. Come, you children, listen to me, and I'll teach you the fear of the Lord. This is beautiful. The Lord will actually teach you how to fear him, how to reverence him, how to honor him. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. The righteous cry out, and the Lord does hear and delivers them out of all their trouble. See, are you listening to all these promises? The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such that have a contrite spirit. That's really important to the Lord. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. Out of them all. The Bible is full of so many promises. 
And the Father says, yes and amen. And we need to look at these promises and know the integrity of our Father to fulfill them over our individual lives. Amen. Well, let's stand up together and let's worship the Lord and thank Him. He's so good. The Father's so good. He's so faithful. He sent us Jesus. He sent us the Holy Spirit. We are the most blessed people on the face of the earth. How many want the manifest presence to show up here? Let's, let's build him a throne. If we don't praise him, there's no throne. <laughs> I know I could get Karen going, even if the rest of you are looking at me. <sighs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father but through you. You're the only way. Say that. Jesus is the only way. It's true. Lots of gods out there, but only Jesus is the way to the Father. He is the light of the world. This is true. But that light is in you. Glory to God. You are the light in a dark world. Do you ever think about that? Wherever you go, you've got a light in you that's manifesting through you. You, you look different. You smell different. You talk different. People look at you and wonder what's different about you. It's true. Do you know when you lay hands on someone, it's as if Jesus is laying hands on that person. Have you ever think about it? Jesus lives in you. He pulsates from you. He's manifesting through you. You are the light in this very dark world. And God has that power. The power of the gospel is working through you. So, Father, we just thank you for tonight. We thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit the gifts of the Spirit flowing, the very manifest power of the Lord Jesus Christ operating tonight. We're ex we have an expectancy to you, Father, that you meet us here tonight. And Father, thank you so much in advance because I believe it. Do you believe it? Say, I believe it. Believe it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Well, one way we love God is by loving one another. The elementary kids are staying in tonight, but all the other kids can be dismissed. Praise the Lord. Let's love on one another. This is a special night tonight. It's so great to see everybody. Well, good evening, everyone. Good to be here tonight. How about you? You glad to be here with the fellow believers, your family, in the house of the Lord? Amen. Well, if you're here for the first time, we'd like to welcome you. We see we've got some visitors back again. It's good to see you guys back with us. Um, anyone here for the first time? All right. Well, we're going to prepare to return the tithe to the Lord, so if you need an envelope for your cash giving, amen. That's right. 
You can raise your hand and our ushers will bring one to you. If you're giving by credit card, please fill out all of the blanks. And as we return the tithe, we want to encourage you tonight to put your hope in the Lord for your provision. So you can turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6. We're going to read a scripture here, but you know, the Lord is a rich provider. Amen. He's got enough resources, doesn't he? He's more than able. His economy is always on the up. You know, it's never going to, that's right, it's never going to run out, never going to run dry. So he's more than able, and he wants to bring us from lack into plenty. But as he does that, we need to make sure that our trust is not in the plenty, not in the provision, but in the Lord as he, as he does that for, for us. So let's say that another way. Let's make sure our trust is in the blesser, not the blessing. So look at this scripture here in 1 Timothy chapter 6. I'm going to read verse 17. It says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God. Who, what? What does it say? Is that up here? No, it's not. 617. 617 says, who put their hope in God who richly provides. Everybody says, richly provides all things, says everything, for our enjoyment. Hmm. Notice it doesn't say, put our hope in God who, you know, just make sure that you won't die tomorrow. You know, just enough to scrape by. Just enough to exist. He says he richly provides. Everything, and now look at that next phrase, it's for our enjoyment. So God's interested in you and I enjoying some things? Think about that. He, he wants us to enjoy things in life. He wants us to experience life more abundant. But now, lest you think it, that's all there is to it, let's read this next verse. It says, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous, willing to share. So you're not the focus you're not the end. That's, yeah, he wants you to experience some good things. He wants you to enjoy some things in life. But it's, the purpose is not just to end there. You're supposed to be liberal. Amen. Not a liberal. You're supposed to be liberal. <laughs> and what does he say about the liberal soul in, in Proverbs? It says the liberal soul shall be fat, made fat, made prosperous. So he wants to prosper us. And if you see this here, this is, I mean, the, the law of sowing and reaping in action here. You know, it says if you're rich in good deeds, well, as you sow, you reap. If you're generous and willing to share, as you sow, you reap. So we know that this is the law, this is the law of the kingdom, the principle of the kingdom. As you sow, you reap. And so if you sow generosity, if you sow things, if you're willing to share, that's seed in the ground, and you will reap a harvest on that. But now, going back to what I said about putting your hope in the Lord and not the provision. See, there's always an outward demonstration for what you believe in your heart. So if I say, well, you know, my hope's in the Lord, my hope's in the Lord, but I hold on to everything and I look at that paycheck as it's my source and, you know, I won't part with anything. I'm not sowing, I'm not sharing, I'm not generous. Can I say my hope's in the Lord? So I was thinking about Abraham. You know, we know this story well, the first account of tithing in the Bible where, you know, Abram went out, there was those kings that had 118 
and Abram's nephew Lot gets caught up in that. And Abram, with his 318 household slaves, or trained men, it says, goes out and defeats these guys, gets back all the stuff and his nephew and all that. And then here comes Melchizedek with covenant meal. I'd really like to turn there, but I don't want to take too much time here. But he comes out and he says, Abram, you were blessed of God most high. And praise be to him. And he's the one that delivered your enemies into your hand. Now, right there in that moment, Abraham's got a decision to make. He's got to decide, do I believe that or not? He could have said, you know what, I, me, me and my guys did this. Instead, he was like, you know, he recognized that truth. He believed it, and then he demonstrated something. He's like, you know what, I believe that. That is the way it is. The Lord's my hope. The Lord was the reason for my source, is my source. And he, and he gave him a tithe. And then further on, you see then the king of, of Sodom says, he's so grateful to have his people back and stuff and everything. And he's like, you know what? I'll take my people and you can have all the stuff. And Abram's like, no, you know what? Whatever my men have eaten, you know, my men's share or whatever, but I'm not keeping even a sandal strap because I don't want anybody to say, I don't want you to think you're the one that made me rich. Again, demonstrating what he believed in his heart that the Lord was his provision his heart. There's always Lord, he's demonstrating it by not keeping any of that. Do you see that? There's always an outward demonstration of what we believe in our heart. Well, was Abraham blessed? We know that the Lord's response was, Abram, I'm your protection. I'm your shield. I'm your very great reward. Basically saying, I'm your paycheck. How many know the Lord's my paycheck? Is he your paycheck? Is he your protection? Is he your provision? See, it's not just for Abraham. That's for us, too. The Lord will do the same for Abraham or for us as he did for Abraham. If we put our trust in him, our hope in him. Amen? All right, take a hold of your tithe and let's pray over that. Father, we just thank you so much for all the good things that you've brought into our life. We thank you for the way you provide and that, Lord, we can put our trust in you because while wealth may be uncertain, you are not. The world may be uncertain, but you are not. You're faithful, and you're a faithful provider, a good provider. And Lord, we put our trust in you tonight. We put our, our hope in your word that as we tie that the windows of heaven are open for us, that you pour out the blessings and the protection like you promised. And so we just thank you for this. We thank you for the resources that you've put in our hands, and we endeavor to obey you and follow whatever you tell us to do with these resources in Jesus' name. Amen. And the ushers can pass the baskets, and the people will give to the Lord. All right, in the bulletin, if you have one, you can pull that out. So we have a CWI Richmond service tomorrow at 1 o'clock. The address is here in the bulletin. Of course, all are welcome. Tomorrow evening, we have the Youth and Young Adult Gathering at Raw's Ayers Home at 5.30, and I think the youth are all looking forward to a fun time there. Praise and Worship Night will be here at the church, 7 p.m. on Friday. That's going to be a great night, so plan to come out if you're <clears throat> at all able to come. So I was talking with Debbie before the service. So as was mentioned last week, Alex has a new house, new apartment, 
and he needs furnishings. So there have been a lot of calls. Debbie's been having a lot of calls about, hey, I have this, I have that, and what do you need? And so in an effort to organize this, Debbie has made a list, a sign-up sheet, if you will. That way Alex isn't getting like five dining room tables and no chairs, you know, or, you know, you see what I mean. So if you have um, things that you'd like to donate, could you please see Debbie after the service? And she will organize all that, like she's so good at. Amen? All right, well, prepare your heart to receive what the Lord wants to minister to us tonight. Don't sound? There we are. I'm always on. The microphone isn't always, though. Thank you for that. It is wonderful to be here with you again. I always miss you so much when I'm away. But how many know that sometimes going away is necessary for what the Lord wants to do and accomplish? And um, I had... Well, actually, before I get into all of that, because that will lead into my sermon, and then I want to, um, we need to take another offering, don't we? Is it the, the missions offering is tonight. So if you need an envelope for your missions giving, just raise your hand. Make sure you designate it where you want it to go, or if you leave the designation where you want it to go blank, it'll go into the general missions fund and then dispersed from there. And we are going to take a moment tonight, and rather than take... <coughs> give you a teaching on um, more on giving and sowing and all of that, I want to spend the time in prayer, in particular for several of the missions that we have been, been supporting. So what I'm going to ask is when it comes time for prayer, um, Alan, if you would come and pray for Stephen and Donna Mirabella, and um, if I could have um, Troy... I want you to pray for Ghana as well as Israel because there's a missionary that you guys support there. Um, and we are going to pray for a number of other nations as well, right? Um, I'm going to pray for Palestine. I'll pray for Turkey. And uh, who's going to come up and pray for Ukraine and Russia? Okay. So what, what, what let's do, if you're ready for, to uh, give your offering, let's just hang on to it. And I know that there's many other places that we give into that um, I didn't necessarily name. But we know that there's no distance in the Spirit, even though we're not there. The things that we ask the Lord will make a difference for those locations. All right? So um, I'm going to start with, uh, I'll pray over Turkey, and then Alan, I'll have you come up after Alan. You can be ready, Troy and so forth, in the order that we had laid it out. Father, we just come to You right now and we uh, present our offerings, our givings to You for these places of ministry around the world. Every place that it's assigned to, Father, we speak blessing over them. We speak increase over those places. Father, I ask You for divine appointments for those places so that Your Word would find good and fertile ground and that it would expand tremendously in every region that You have imagined for it to go through. And we thank You for this. Lord, I lift up the nation of Turkey to You. I ask You, Lord, for the people of Turkey. I, I claim them for the kingdom in Jesus' name. Lord, I ask that You would encounter the people. Give them dreams and visions of You, Lord. Prepare them for when they meet someone with the good news that they're ready and able to receive it. Father, those that are needing to find a Bible or Scripture or some sort of teaching that would lead them to You, 
Lord, open their eyes for them to see it. Give them revelation. Grant them all repentance that they would come fully into the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name. All right, Alan. Well, I'd like to pray both for Tanzania and Sri Lanka, okay, which yes, I go please. to all the time as well. And I would say that this prayer applies to both equally. Father God, we just thank you for all that you are already doing. Seeing it firsthand, you are moving in Sri Lanka and in Tanzania. And we just thank you for all the open doors, for all the hearts that you're drawing to you in advance, so that when Don and Steve, Pastor Pradeep show up and just say the name of Jesus, there's open hearts ready to receive. So continue to do your good work. Provide for them that they may have all that they need. We know that you are their provider. They look to you to be your provider, their provider. And we just thank you again. We can't thank you enough and just ask that you just continue to do what you're already doing and even do more. Amen. Lord, this evening we lift up two nations. We lift up Ghana and the people in Ghana, the ones that are there, Lord, yearning to know more of you, yearning to know your name because they've not heard it yet, but know that you, you do exist and know that there's something different about those people around them that are followers of Jesus. Lord, I, I thank you for all that has been done in Ghana, and I thank you for tearing down walls that have given us access to people groups that, that otherwise would not have been able to be accessed and, and, and shared with as we share the gospel. I thank you, Lord, for every person who's come to know you. I thank you for every person who's going to come to know you. And I thank you, Lord, for the, the miracles. I thank you for the miracles and for the signs and wonders that, that have followed as we teach and preach the gospel to these people. Lord, thank you for all that you've done and thank you for what is yet to come. You are preparing the way and you have already prepared the way. Lord, we thank you also for the nation of Israel, for the people in Israel, the innocent people in particular who don't know you and who need to know you. We thank you for those, Lord, who are in the way of the bombs, in the way of the fighting, in the way of the things that are taking place that never should be taking place. But Lord, we know they need to for this end to come, waiting for Jesus to come back for us. In particular, his name, Lord, for those people who are fighting for their nation. Lord, one in particular, his name is Yair, Yair Pinto. Lord, Yair is a, is a, a, a as you know, he is a Christian. He's a Jew who became a Christian and who loves you with all of his heart. And he was a missionary to his country, Lord, but he's also in the armed forces. And we pray for his safety, pray for his, his family, for Anna, his wife, and for his three children, that you would watch over them, you would bless them, you would protect them, and you would guide them in all that they do. And Lord, we pray for the peace to come to these people so that, Lord, they can move forward and, Lord, you can come into their lives and you could, your love can be shared with them by the people who are there yet to share the gospel with them. But we thank you for all that you do. You are a, a, a great and mighty and powerful God. And Lord, anything that we ask, we know that you will do in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, I thank you for Russia and I thank you for Ukraine. You see the work that needs to be done there and you see the workers that are there to do it. And I thank you for them. And I ask that you would put your protective hand over them, Father. And I thank you for the harvest, Lord, because there is a bountiful harvest there. Lord, I, I ask that you would specifically put your protective hand over Dale Armstrong and his wife, Terry. 
You see what they're doing for you, and I ask that you would bless them for it and bless all the workers over there, Father, that you would set a fire on both nations, on both peoples, Father, and that you would spread, not just in the soldiers and in the civilians, but all the way up the governments, Father, that you would touch the hearts of politicians and leaders, Lord. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. That you have people, Father, there strategically placed in Kurdistan and different places throughout the region. Lord, we speak blessing over them, protection over them. Father, I thank you that you equip them fully to do all that you have for them to do. We call for finances to increase to them, provision to increase to them, so that all watching in that region would know that there is a God and that his name is Jesus. Lord, I thank you for this. Father, we lift up Palestine to you. There are many people in, in Palestine, in Israel, in the surrounding region there that are hurting. Lord, I ask that you would reveal yourself to them. We speak peace over this region, that, over those regions. We speak light into Palestine and into the people of, the, of, of Palestine that they would have revelation of Jesus Christ. And Lord, this hate and this destruction and, and all the, the spirits of darkness that have congregated there, we, we command them in Jesus' name to be disbanded and that the light of heaven would reach all the way down and transform the entire situation. We call peace to, to Palestine, peace to Israel, peace to the region in Jesus' name and amen. Okay, if you have your offering, our ushers, you can pass the baskets and collect that. Congratulations to Mike and Sarah. They have a new little one. And Simon Benjamin has joined the family. So hallelujah. Life is so precious. And if you ever have the opportunity to witness a childbirth, Eventually, most of you will, or most of you have. <laughs> All right, it's it's a miracle. It's like Lord, how? They've all come by that. We see there's what eight, almost eight billion people on the planet, and they've all come by that miraculous way into the earth. Hallelujah. I'll give you an update last week, and then we'll go right into um, the sermon. Of, so this past week, I went down to Florida and I spent um, Monday through Saturday training with Pastor Kurt Owen. Um, he was training um, Andrew Womack's protection team and the campus security team. And so he invited some of us others to come and join him on that. And um, so we had, we had a wonderful time of training, of, of building each other up, of all of that. Uh, Pastor Jay from Colorado was there. He, he and Big Tim, whom many of you remember, stayed in the uh, Airbnb that I had there with me. And so we just had a wonderful time and uh, came back sharper and, and ready. But backing up to, I, ha I had some meetings after that, right? I had, so from Saturday night, I went up to Big Tim's church, Tim Ratcliffe, for those of you that want to know his name. Uh, but if you meet him, you'll understand why we say Big Tim. And uh, I went up with him to, to his place and then went with him to church Sunday morning and went and met his pastor. And his pastor, they uh, have a church of about 800. And so I wanted to sit down with their pastor. So we went out to lunch 
and is able to just, you know, pull on him in, in how do you, how does a big church function, right? How do you, how does the chain of command work? You know, if someone has, has a problem in children's ministry, how does that get solved? And on and on and on. Just a bunch of the, the nuts and the bolts questions of structure and how you operate when there's many. Because, you know, if you have, if you have one child, you're going to live complete, like, like uh, Tim and Carissa where I was staying at, they have one child. Right? And so they're going to operate completely differently in their home than Mike and Sarah will with, with 11. Right? It's because of the, the, there's more, you're going to have to do things different. They can't do things in the same way. So for me, sitting with him was... So we, I, I see us as a growing church, but yet we're still small in number. Right? And so how do we prepare ourselves for what the Lord has told us is coming in, in being ready for it? And for a number of years, I've, I've been working towards that. And um, so, so I begin asking him the questions and I go down the list and I was really pleased to, to find that pretty much everything he went down and detailed, we were already doing. In the same type of, of way and structure. And, and so we're already prepared. Hallelujah. And uh, we'll continue to stay that way. So then, so then on Monday, I went and met with Javin Mirabella, who would be Stephen's brother, and so you've met Stephen and his family as well as his father, Stephen. There's so many Stephen Mirabellas. I'm glad they named one different, finally. <laughs> There's Javin. So Javin and his wife have been um, missionaries to Tanzania and other parts of the world. They've been in Turkey. And that's where they spent most of their lives. He's the younger brother to Stephen. But when they came back in 2020 stateside, the Lord sent They felt like it would do a work here in, in the United States. They didn't want to come back. Because they were like, you know, they felt like it was a, a, a step backwards from, you know, going and reaching the world. But the Lord said, you know what, this nation needs reached too. And so he sends them back and they began what was called Immerse the Nations. It's a ministry now This is called Immerse Ministries, if you want to look them up. And what they do is they come in and, and empower people in evangelism and have a teaching on evangelism, and then you go out into the streets and knock on doors, and they, they take it over a whole week. And so I went out to lunch with him because I wanted to see what are you doing, how are you doing it, and I felt like there's something there that we can grow on. You know, if there's, if there's an area that we're weak in, from my perspective, would be in evangelism. And, and that's being said after all of everything that happens with CityGate and everything that happens. I mean, wouldn't it be great if we would have 10, 15, 20 people every week being born again, saved, added to the kingdom? That's what, what our, where our heart is. And so many times people just aren't really clear on how simple it is to, to step out. And so that's what they do is they come in and provide a, an easy way to be involved with it in, in a training event. So I told him, so I, I told you all of that to tell you this part. So I'm sitting with him at the restaurant table. We sit down and he, he's talking. And all of a sudden the Lord just interrupts the conversation and begins to talk to me on the inside. And um, I suddenly have waterworks going on. And, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, just time out for a minute. The Lord's saying some things, you know. Um, but this is what he said. Because I really hadn't wanted to go to Florida just to be level with you. I had too many things going on too busy, I just would like to stay at home and do the things that I'm behind on, right? But the Lord kept 
nudging me and telling me you need to go, you need to go. Okay, so I'll go, right? Well, now I'm sitting at this table and the Lord said, this, is, this meeting is the reason I had you come to Florida. So I say that with the confidence that whatever's going to come next, whatever comes out of that is, is the Lord's doings. And so I'm looking to, we're going to see a harvest of things come out of that relationship that has just been started. So I invited him in. They're going to come up with their team, and we're going to do a whole week of that, and everyone will have opportunity to be involved. It'll probably be in the spring. Um, he said they're booked out this year. Oh, I forgot an important piece about them. So what they've been doing in Florida is going to all the local churches, and their goal is to bring the churches together to do this together, which is just so beautiful. And they make it their mission to knock on every door in a city. So that everyone hears and they have an app that tracks it and like when you go and visit someone when you leave there you write notes about what interaction you know no one was home or you would say yeah so you know Susie was there and she has cancer and ask us to pray for her for healing and so then the next people that come along can follow up and see what was said here or the people will actually call them back several days later and say, hey, we stopped by and prayed with you or go knock on their door again, right? And so it, it provides a way to really be strategic in how we do it. And so I'm looking forward to uh, seeing that happen here. I have not yet, but I'm going to go talk to uh, the pastors at Threshold and see if they want to be involved with it. And it's something that we can, we can, we can start with two churches. Uh, hallelujah.